Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 1 to 19 which is the old chapter of course I thought we'd spend a little time in the Old Testament just for you to know that I know how to open the Old Testament and look at this prophet Jeremiah uh, looking particularly at the man himself rather than the message he brings because of course on Thursday nights we're dealing with the subject of prophecy and no doubt Jeremiah will, uh, will pop up and say something uh, during that time so uh, I want us to look specifically at the man rather than the message I want to warn you that Jeremiah just like prophecy is a closed book to me I, I've never studied the book of Jeremiah at all yes I heard a sermon on the potter and I heard it 30 times uh, me and a friend uh, used to go around preaching together and we went around preaching together for about four years and the only sermon I ever heard him preach was on the potter and it was word for word everywhere we went I could preach it for him you know if he had been taken ill I could have gone and done the thing for him but perhaps that's the reason why I haven't looked into the book myself uh, because I do that so much you know some of you will remember I spoke on um, chapter 13 which of course is the story of Jeremiah's linen sash and uh, I love that story and that's Pauline's favourite sermon so if I've ever preached that in Emmanuel again it's because Pauline has said will you preach on Jeremiah's belt I've also taken some parts of uh, Jeremiah in, in our studies when we looked at the branch of Jehovah but otherwise it's a closed book it's very little that I've looked at but as you read the book you'll find that it's quite autobiographical you know Jeremiah gives us a, a lot of insight into who he is not just by his words but by his actions and by the way that he holds his heart on his sleeve he, he lets out his emotions uh, for us to, to look into a man who is a strong man because he is doing the work of God he's a, an emotional man and he's therefore an awful lot like you and I we want to be doing the work of God no, and, and yet there's this, you know, this sort of reluctance uh, to, to do it because we don't think we're good enough. No, we don't think we're old enough. We don't think we're wise enough. Uh, we don't think we are um, mature enough in the faith to be doing the work that God has called us. And yet, you know, Jeremiah says that I'm too young. Now, my son David used to say, I say, Dave, when are you going to do this? Well, I'm too young. I'm too young. When are you going to start preaching? If you're doing all this studying, when are you going to start preaching? I'm too young. He's 44. I think he's old enough by now to take the bull by the arm. In fact, he stopped saying I'm too young now. And he just says, I don't want to. You know, which, is, which is the honest uh, the way of saying it. But, um, you know, he tells us an awful lot about himself in that sense. And um, he's got a number of arnips, of course. We know him as the weeping prophet. That's how he's come down to us. Uh, and therefore he can become a great encouragement to us. Uh, he is most definitely a man of God. And that's what I want us to think about um, this morning. What has made him, and not, and not only this morning, but for the next two or three weeks, what has made him a man of God? I want to be a man of God. I don't know about you. I want, to be, I want to be a man of God. I want to be seen to be a man of God. I want to be known as a man of God. That would be my 
If I was asked what my ideal would be in life, I would put that right at the very top. I want to be seen and not be known as a man of God. So he's a big uh, influence, or he should be a big influence as we go through it. So what makes a man of God? What makes a man of God? You know, one of the first thing to notice about Jeremiah is his call. The way that God has called him. And verses 4 and 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now it seems to me that this aspect of Christian ministry is of the utmost importance. You'll notice that most prophets testify of their call. You know, if you think of Moses, you know, his call came to him out of the midst of a burning bush. It was a supernatural call. God had visited at that place and spoke to him audibly, called him into the work and set him on his way. You know, and there's this burning bush burning without consuming uh, that proved that this was God himself. You know, and you can think of Isaiah. You know, Isaiah saw in through the veil of heaven. You know, he sort of, the clouds opened up to him and he could see right into the very throne room of God himself. A scene that thrilled him, a scene that enlightened him, but it was also a scene that broke him. Woe is me, he says, when he, he saw this event that was taking place. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Lords. You know, and if you want to know who you are, look at who he is, and you find that you are nothing in and of yourselves. You know, we might think that we could be very proud. Paul, if you notice with Isaiah, the first six chapters of his, or the first five chapters of his book, he was always pointing to people, what is you? What is you? What is you? And you know, we've got those loads of preachers that will come onto the pulpit and say, what is you? But when we come to chapter six, he says, what is me? What had happened? He'd seen God and he'd realized how far short of the righteousness and holiness of God he was. But of course it was his call. Because as that chapter goes on, God says, who shall we send? And here he is. Send me. Send me. Send me. That was the call that he had. You know, we could go into uh, the New Testament and we could see Paul. He, it's quite similar the way that Paul uh, is set apart for the minister work of the ministry. You know, before my, I was separated from my mother's womb. God had his hand on me. You know, and isn't it wonderful when these people can say those things? You know, and it, uh, it almost makes our experience so mundane. What was my call? When a man at the front said something and I put my hand up. Doesn't sort of uh, compute when you think about these guys. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I set you apart. It's an amazing testimony. And it's an amazing call. And it gives you an amazing amount of confidence that what 
He has called you. What you were doing is what you are called. He has called you to do. You know, when we were in Bible college, we were always told to be sure of our call. You know, the ministry they'd say is a difficult journey. It's full of pitfalls and disappointments. It's a quite a lonely walk. And if you're not certain that this is God's destiny for you, then it will break you into pieces. You know, and after 30 odd years of being in the ministry, I would say to any young person coming up, make sure you know it's your calling. Because those words were true, are true. There are pitfalls, there are disappointments. It is very lonely on occasions. You are set out uh, as vulnerable. And if you don't know that God has called you, then you will fall apart. You know, and I've been very close to that myself in the years that I've been uh, doing this. But the call that I had was so so fresh and so um, so amazing that I've stood, it has stood the test of time because of that. But of course it's not only true of those who take up the, the sort of the pastoral ministry. It's true of every one of us. Because every one of us have received a call from God. You know, every one of us have got a, um, a ministry in the body of Christ, whatever that ministry may be. You know, especially when we leave this, the, the, these doors and all the sort of uh, the titles fade away, you know, no longer am I the pastor. When the do- I shut the door, I'm a person. And when I'm a person, I'm in a community to which I have to minister. I've been called to minister. And you have been called, you and you might be a leader in this church, but once you go out through the door, that title evaporates. Because now you're a person in the community. And you've got a ministry to that community because God has called you to do that. You know, when you go out, you will, you will experience pitfalls and difficulties and disappointments and it will be a very lonely walk. And unless you are confident in the God of your salvation, then you will fall apart. You know, and I've seen Christians who thought that they were something fall apart when they've gone into the world and the world has ripped them up and spat them out. Why? Because they weren't confident of their call. You know, and it's the most essential thing if you're going to do anything for God to be sure that that's what He's called you to do. Never try anything until you are sure. You know, and being here this morning would tell me that we've each heard the call or the voice of Christ as He calls us out of darkness and brings us into the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The new birth experience is essential for all of us. You know, and um, don't think that the life of a Christian is any easier than the life of a Christian minister because it's not. Because every one of us receives these disappointments, these frustrations, the pain and loneliness. And if you're not sure of your salvation, then you will turn your back on God. You know, and I've seen that so often. So what I'm going to say uh, say next refers... So what I'm going to say next refers only to Jeremiah... But most of what I'm about to say refers to all of us. You see, there's bits about Jeremiah that are specific, peculiar to him. But there's an awful lot about Jeremiah that is universal. 
universal. Listen to these glorious words of comfort and encouragement. You know, I want us to go home this morning feeling refreshed, feeling important, feeling blessed, feeling safe, and feeling worthwhile. Listen to this. I formed you. I formed you. You know, and it's such a relevant statement in today's confused society. A society where children as young as six are convinced that they are in the wrong body. Where young girls are trying to fit themselves into some culturally accepted mould by abusing their bodies. A society where evil men would mutilate the physical aspects of their female population in order they, that they conform to their specified image. Where each of us struggle with certain aspects of our own makeup in light of what we see around us. Oh, if only the airbrush could do it in reality. You know, I'd like to take this off and try it. But the airbrush would take it off lovely. You know, I get a spot by there that I'd like to get rid of. These are a bit big. So why can I, you know, can I get these down a bit? You know, my legs are a bit short. My arms are a bit flabby. You know, and all of us, we look at these magazines, these glossy magazines that have been done up to look perfect. And we look at ourselves and we think, we know where we are. We know where when we look at the, the, what's around us we, we struggle with certain aspects of our own image and yet here we have this little phrase I formed you says the Lord you know as you lay in the comfort and the security of your mother's womb I was there you are my handiwork you are how I have put you together. I put every part of you into its place. Yes, you might be overweight. Yes, you might be short. Yes, your hair might need something done to it. But I have made you into who you are. I formed you. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them why should we want to be anyone else when we've been designed and moulded by the master's hand you're not just talking physically now of course why should we want to be anyone else because we as Christians we look at other Christians and we think oh I wish I was like them I wish I could do that like them I wish, could be, I wish I could go there. I wish I could succeed like them. And we're all the same. We've all got examples that we wish we would be like. And then God says to us, I formed you. I made you into what you was. You know, and Moses could have said, I wish I could speak like Aaron. I'm stuttering. I can't get my words out. I formed you. Jeremiah says, I wish I was older. No, I formed you. I formed you. You know, it's about time you realize that we are God's unique handiwork. All of us. You know, take, that will beat the, the life out of um, this 
the, 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 what many people suffer today low self esteem low self image why do we want to be like anyone else in any aspect of our lives if God formed us you know when we've been shaped for his glory and for his honour how amazing is that a prototype of divine engineering made by God himself you know and perhaps it's high time that each and every one of us accepted ourselves for who God made us. You know, but then, listen to this. Before that, before I formed you, before I formed you, we're into realms that we've got no understanding about. You know, yes, I can understand what happens in the womb. Well, I can't understand what happens in the womb. You know, I... But to be honest, I'm totally in the dark about what happens in the womb. But I can understand the concept of what's taking place there. Things are growing and being added on and stuff. I can understand that. But before that, before I formed you in the womb. Now this is God's unique territory. No one else is allowed past this doorway. This is God in his own element. This is God doing what he wants to do with no other influence upon him at all. This is God in the raw. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now we could, of course, we could talk about uh, what's relevant today when we think about abortion. You know, when the question is, when is a life, when does a life start? You know, is it that conception? Is it when there are so many cells that have grown? Is it when a heartbeat comes? Is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? You know, and the, the, the debate would rage and rage and rage. And um, why, I don't know, because people have got, just got a blank mind towards it, it seems. You know, but the truth of the matter is that before any of that, God knows us. So life starts before that. You're a human being before that. No, I can't understand that. You're a human being before conception. You know, let alone when cells gather together or when you start breathing or when you start or when blood starts flowing. Before all that, <coughs> you're a human being because in God's sight, He knew you. He knew you. You know, and there is no such thing with God as an afterthought. You know how easy it is to belittle ourselves. To be unsure of our relationship. To be nervous about our position and our standing. You know, even in this relationship that we enjoy with God, it's easy to think that we might have been a complete afterthought. So-and-so is so much more important than me. Look at him over there. He's, he's, he's God's man. He's God's chosen. And yet at the same time, God knew me before he formed me. No, it's incredible. It's absolutely, you know, if we believe this, then it's got, to be, it's got to make such an impact on our lives. You know, he's built his plans around the person that I am. That's amazing. If I was Jan Janice, now I'd have asked for an amen there. Before he formed you in the womb. You know what David in Psalm 8 says? Um, he, he, that he is mindful what is man that you are mindful of him you know and you and I have made a mark on God's mind an indelible mark you know we never out of his mind 
You know, and you can see now why. It's because he's got this relationship that started before you did. How can you do that? How can you have a relationship with somebody that doesn't exist? But he can. He knew me. He knew me before he formed me. And I've made this mark on his, on his mind. Jeremiah, how are you going to function when the whole nation rises up against you? Well, I've got to be honest. I don't know how men going to function, but I do know this. God knew me before I was made. So I've got to be something special in his sight. I've got to be a treasure for him. I've got to be a jewel in his crown. I've got to be something that he keeps his eye on for the rest of eternity. He knew me before he formed me. How can anything that goes against me succeed when I have such a benefactor who constantly looks out for me? I knew you before I formed you. You know, but there's a little bit more as we continue through this verse. Before you were born, I sanctified you. You know, God isn't taking any chances with this guy. Uh, he was the same with uh, John the Baptist, if you remember. He told uh, Elizabeth that this shouldn't happen, that shouldn't happen. He shouldn't cut his hair. He shouldn't drink any wine. He shouldn't do this and he shouldn't do that. I'm going to keep him to myself. He wasn't taking any chances. Uh, with John the Baptist and he's not taking any chances with this guy you know the horrors of the world are not going to have any impact on this guy no God is determined to produce a pure vessel for his own sanctified in the womb you know holiness personified this is the person that Ilkia was going to hold in his arms holiness perform- person- but I've got to be honest i got a little bit of a problem with that i got a bit of a problem with that um it seems to me that by you, me and Jeremiah have parted company. You know, I'm beginning to feel a tad inferior to this man at the moment. Spiritually inferior. His standard of holiness is too great for me. You know, I was born to a minor in Kedavale. This man has been set apart before he was even born. That's not fair, God. You've given him a better start than me. But then I read, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then I read, everyone is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And I think to myself, what's happening here? Is he born holy and righteous? Or is he born in sin and shaped in iniquity? Well, the word all there is the clue, all have sinned. You know, he was born of a man and a woman. This is no virgin birth we're looking at here. This is a normal birth. So this man was born a sinner. For all this work that God had done before the womb, in the womb, and out of the womb, Jeremiah was still born a sinner. Which tells me that he was no different to me. Which tells me that he's no better than I am. I was no more holier than me or righteous. He still had to come to faith in Christ yeah. if he is to go to glory. You know, I mentioned Paul earlier, who seems to have a similar testimony. You know, well, this is a little bit more um, real in my, in, you know, in my book. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Paul, was you born perfect? Well, we know that Paul hated Christ. He persecuted Christ. He killed Christ's followers. 
But in grace, Paul says, in grace called him into faith and in grace called him into ministry. You know, and Jeremiah was far from perfect when he was born. He was fat, he was a sinner, just like you and me. But God in his grace called him just as he called me in his grace. You see, everyone, everyone, everyone needs to know the grace of God on their lives. There's not one of us can do without God's grace. Even though this man had been known by God, formed by God, set apart by God, he still was born a sinner. You see, God, not even God could bring forth a holy person. That's why he sent his son. His son came to bring forth saints, holy people, and set them apart for eternity. We've always got to go to the cross. Even you with Jeremiah, we've got to look to the cross. Because it's at the cross where Jeremiah's sins were washed away. The same as mine, the same as yours. Yes, he was sanctified by God in the womb. Set apart. I'm going to use you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to protect you. But first of all, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to acknowledge me as God. The same as everyone else. You know, I believe that all of us have been set apart for God. You know, when some of us come to faith very young, I was fortunate in that I came to faith very young and went out very little into the, into the, into the worldly things that surrounded me. Which didn't make me any less of a sinner than anyone else. Other people have gone right down deep into sin, but they've been set apart. And God calls them in time and gives them a ministry mm. and puts his seal on them. Mm. I thank God for that. I thank God that he earmarked Jeremiah for a certain ministry. He earmarked Paul for a certain ministry. He earmarked me for a certain ministry. And he earmarked you for certain ministries. Mm. Oh, I wish the pastor was here to help me by you. He would, have, he would know what to say. No. God put you there. You mark you to be there. Open your mouth. Trust Him. Know the Word. Don't think that someone else is to do this job. God has called you there. You know, when we say things like that, I wish so and so was you. What you're really saying is that God has made a mistake and put Him here. How stupid was he to put me here when he could have put someone else here? No, he put you there. And every situation that you find yourself in, he has put you there in order to be his witness. What a relationship that we have with God when he has closed us in to a ministry that he has designated for us. And then he goes on to say very quickly, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now this is where I part, really do part company with Jeremiah. Because now it becomes a little bit specific. Now he was born 800 or so years before Christ. I wasn't. To be honest. <coughs> he was born in Israel 
I wasn't. Israel were God's chosen people. Wales is not. Might be this. Lord, let it be this man. Let he be God's chosen people. And next man. Right, so, we, so we can see what I'm saying. There was a circumstance brewing in Israel at this time that needed a prophet to speak into. And God says, you were the man. You are the man. God had a plan and a purpose for Jeremiah that I wouldn't dream of emulating or mimicking. Being a prophet to the nation isn't my remit at all. Pastor of Emmanuel? Yes, here I am. Prophet to the nations? No. God has a plan for all of us. And this, because he's gone all specific on us by her, doesn't put us outside the door. It puts us in a specific place with God. Because every one of us have been specifically set apart for a specific ministry by God himself. I don't care what your lifestyle is or what you were doing. Oh, I'm, I'm bed bound. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah, you are. You are what you are. You are what you are for God's glory. It's as simple as that. You are what you are for God's service. You know, whether you are bed bound and, and carers are coming in or whether you were sort of ripping up the road or whatever you're doing. God has placed you there for a purpose. It's a pur- There's purpose in all this. This is what I'm getting out of uh, Jeremiah's... Just remember, I got a bad leg. <laughs> I forgot about it for a bit. You know, there's, like I say, there's so many things that determine what that plan is. Would have known that winning a beauty contest... I'm not talking uh, personal now. I never won a beauty contest but who would have known that winning a beauty contest was in the will of God but that's what happened to Hester or Esther she won a beauty contest and she saved the whole of the nation of Israel and in doing so she saved the lineage of Jesus if she hadn't won that beauty contest we wouldn't have had a saviour you know that don't you that's how close it was we wouldn't have had a saviour if she hadn't won the beauty contest because she wouldn't have been in the place to stop the king destroying the Jews. Mm. Who knows, says our uncle, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. She must have been a beautiful woman. Mm. And you look at her and go, oh, I wish I was as beautiful as you. But you wasn't. She was the beautiful one. And God didn't give her a beauty just to Oh, I make a beautiful woman. No, he made a beautiful woman. So she would win a beauty contest and she would become the queen of Babylon or whatever it was. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It blows my mind when you read the scriptures and see what's really there. There was an evil man called Haman who wanted to destroy the Jews, but he wasn't, didn't count on Esther's beauty. And it was Esther's beauty that saved the day. Beauty contest. You know, we they they are so um, politically incorrect today. Used to enjoy them back in the sixties. To look forward in this world in the sixties, but now we mustn't do that. But there's a, here they are a beauty contest. Save the day. 
You see, nothing is random in God's economy. Mm. You know, when you look at um, drama uh, programs on the TV, and especially things like Death in Paradise, you know, comical drama and stuff, and um, Poirot, little things are said that you think are incidental. And then all of a sudden, when he sums it up, it's that little incidental thing that he said we at the beginning was the key to solving the problem. Mm. You've got to be aware of that, you know, and I suppose that none of us really are. None of us work out who the person is because we don't listen to the little details that are said and done and things like that. And then all of a sudden he brings it all out because he's the master and he, and he brings it out and, and the little incidental things in your life and my life they are so important. Nothing is random. God has a plan for us all. There's a purpose in His choosing you and me. There's a purpose in His placing you and me. So we must be aware. We must be expectant. Are we expectant? Are we ready? Are we willing to do the bid, bidding of God? You know, Mordecai said, I might sort of uh, contradict myself here now, but Mordecai said to Esther, don't think that he will say it there in the palace, mind. If you keep quiet, God will raise someone else up. So really speaking, I was a little bit wrong earlier on. But it's true, but you know, but it, my, the principle is true. You know, we are able, willing, ready, expectant to carry out that thing that God has placed in your destiny and that thing that will fall to his glory mm. so you go to my last sentence don't look on longingly at Jeremiah's testimony mm. and think oh if only I had a testimony like him mm. if only God knew me before he formed me mm. well he did right. if only God formed me well, he did. If only God set me apart. He did. He did. If only God made me a prophet to the nations. No, he didn't. Mm. He didn't. But he made you for something. Yeah. For his glory. So don't look longingly at Jeremiah's testimony. Go out there and create the one that God has called you into. The one who God has formed you especially for. The one that God has set you apart and conditioned, commissioned you to be about your father's business. Mm -hmm. To his honour and to his glory. Amen. 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 Amen.